Well, welcome everybody. Oh, it's like a gift, you know, I sit down and like, oh, nobody's coming. And then I get up here and like, oh, they showed up. So it's so great. And everybody on Zoom, it's so awesome to see you guys there. People from, what do we have, Dee? We have Kansas and um, Tennessee, New Mexico, Georgia. Hey, Elizabeth. Yeah. So it's just really fun to be able to have all our girls here and afar. So um, we have been going through this semester, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we started out, uh, we covered the whole fall. And then um, January, we started out with a couple lessons. One was um, examining our hearts, you know, just to get started for the fresh semester. And we asked the question of ourselves, do we have the heart of Jesus or the heart of a Pharisee? And we asked ourselves some really hard questions. And so hopefully if uh, you had a question, an answer you didn't like that you've been praying through that and um, trying to find that heart of Jesus. And then the next week, uh, which was last week, we talked about the goodness of God. And we've talked about discerning the word, uh, the word and the goodness of God, discerning the goodness of God through his word. There you go. Um, and developing a worldview that helps us to um, know what's from him and what's not from him. Because a lot of people will say things are good our moral code and our values and our view comes through the word of God. So we worked our way through that last week. And I think it resonated with a lot of us. So today we're going to continue our journey in the word good as far as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, when it talks about goodness, that word is only, that form of the word goodness is only used four times in the whole Bible. And it means true and honest and full of integrity. And, you know, good is a, a word that means has capacity for a lot of different things. And it's a very powerful word. And what I want to do today is I'm going to hit two main verses, and they should be, be very familiar to you. Um, if this is your first time with us today, we're on Titus 2 ministry. And people say, what does that mean? And that means that we are women who follow the tenets of Titus 2, 3 through 5 in our Bible. So I'm just going to read. Um, starting at verse three, because this is where our message starts today. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So I want you to, to realize that in this verse, God is talking to both older women and younger women and everybody in between. And I just want to say, I so appreciate the older women who have kept Christown going for 65 years now. And um, we still have ladies who still come even long after they are of the childbearing and family raising years. And um, I thought I was going to name you guys, but I don't want to you know, date you. <laughs> but it's a crown of honor to be one of those ladies who still comes. And we have Carol Jones, and we have Phyllis, and we have Audrey, and still Donna, and Jackie, um, Betty, just ladies who still came and do, and some of them still are able to come and still encourage the younger women. And when I see them walk in the door, when I get a, no a note or an email or a text from one of them, um, it strengthens me. 
because I know that they believe Titus 2, and I know they believe in the word of God, and I know they have gotten through their whole life holding tight to Titus 2. So the job of the older women is very, very important, and there are some parameters uh, for these older women. They're to be reverent. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of older people who think, well, I've done my job, and now I'm going to go play, and they let go of maybe even their moral code. They let go of things that they would have lived when they were younger. They let go of their values and they just want to play. And that's not what we're called to do. We're, our life is not over. We don't retire from godly work. Our good works are to continue for our life. And older women have more time on their hands generally. I have not found that to be true quite yet for myself, but I am looking forward to that. And um, But there to be um, reverent, as in still respectful of God and his word, not to be slanderers, you know, not to be talking ugly of others. I have to tell you all, this is the most amazing place. If you've never been here before, or if you're online and you haven't joined us, I have been coming this time probably 15 years, but my first time was probably uh, about 38 years ago. I have never, ever heard an ugly word from any woman in this Bible study. I have never seen a fit. I have never seen a, you're less than me or I'm better than you. It is the most humble group of women you will ever meet in your entire life. And if you're online, I hope someday you'll come join us, even for a Thursday. Phoenix is a great place to vacation. It's come before July. But it's, it's amazing. <laughs> we would love to see you guys. You just, the, I cannot explain to you how wonderful this place is. And also, um, they're not to be slaves to much wine. You know, the drinking of wine has become very big business in our culture, very accepted. I've heard pastors even say, you know, they have a glass of wine or whatever. And um, I believe it's best not to. I think um, it's just too, it's, I'm not going to tell you it's wrong, but we have to really be careful about how it affects us. Maybe we're getting a little nippy with our husband, or maybe we are not working as hard, or maybe we're getting lazy or loose with our tongue. Wine can affect you in all those ways. And it also can affect those who are in your, in your sphere, you know, maybe your children or your husband. So, you know, that's something you do. I would just um, advise you to, to pray about it and walk carefully. So this, the older women are to give this example of joy, of keeping on, of hope, and being thankful. If you came here and all I could tell you was, you know, doesn't matter what you do, you're just going to, you know, life's tough. <laughs> no hope, you know, but we are to give each other hope. I know even when I'm going through hard times, I rely on the ladies here. They prayed for me this morning. I rely on the encouragement that comes from these women to hold me up. And I think that's why you find so many of us here for so very long. When you can't believe for yourself, sometimes you need someone to step into that gap for you and pray with you and for you when you're struggling. So I want to thank all the ladies who continue to come. Joan and um, Phyllis right up here in front. Carol are here with us today. It's just awesome. So to look at this word good, I thought we'd go on over to Proverbs 31. That's a well-known passage. And please don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's like Proverbs 31, and maybe it's, you know, you've heard it a lot. What's there new to say? You know, how can this help me? This woman is impossible. <laughs> I can't live up to her standards. And that really isn't the point of Proverbs 31. 
It was actually written by a Titus II mom. This was King Lemuel's mother, and, he's and she's telling him, these are the things you should look for in a wife, okay? So we're going to look at the things that we should be looking for in a wife. And before you feel like, man, I'll never measure up, take a breath and think about and look up later, 2 Peter 1.3, where God talks about the fact that we have everything we need for godliness. God has given us everything that we need to live this out. And that includes the Holy Spirit, which we're, we've been talking about all year. Without the Holy Spirit, without confession of sin, without belief in Jesus Christ, these things are impossible. But by his grace and mercy and provision, they are possible. So keep those sweet little hearts and minds open like you do. If you find yourself making excuses, take, take a note, need to work on this. Okay. So um, did everybody get a, a page, I hope? So I'm just going to, first, first, I'm just going to read through the passage and then we'll go through it a little bit in time. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, you could spend a whole semester on Proverbs 31, but we're just going to take a little jaunt through there to check ourselves. Okay. Starting in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that she, her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies fashions for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, is, is passing or vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. So I guess I could say anybody who tells you that being home is boring, they just don't know the Proverbs 31 calling for women. There's a lot to being a homemaker house and a, and a um, help me to our husbands. So that word excellent wife in verse 10, it has, depending on the um, translations you look at, you might find the word virtuous or the ESV actually calls her good, a good wife. So that's our word for today, good. And she's precious, which means she's rare. There's not a lot. You know, God tells us that the workers are few. There's not a lot who are willing to put in what God calls us to do. But doing things God's way does lead to a satisfying and fulfilled life, and it glorifies him. And then as Christian women, if we don't follow him, and we don't do these things that he asks us, we actually blaspheme him. If we don't follow Titus 2, if we don't love our husband and children, if we don't obey God, if we, don't, if we aren't good and kind, 
we can blaspheme him by not by disobedience. So verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her. What does that mean? The heart of her husband trusts in her. If I, before we talk about it all, would you be able to say, my husband, I know my husband's heart trusts me. He trusts me. Well, what does that mean? I think one of the main things that would be, does he feel like I'm on his side? And by his side, I'm, his, I'm called to be his helper. So is she, are we playing this game together? Are we living life together? Is she for me? Is she a good steward of what we have? Can I trust her? Can I trust her to use our funds wisely? Can I trust her to stay within our means? Or does she complain and finagle to get what she wants? Does he trust us with our children and the raising of our children? Can he go to work and know that she's not screaming at them or being unreasonable with them? Is she training them like she's called to do? He trusts her to be available. You know, when you were dating, you just couldn't wait to be together. You got up there next to him in the pickup truck or you nestled on the couch and you just never wanted to go home. I just want to do this forever. Then you get married and you get busy. And maybe you're not as available, but he still wants you by his side. He wants you to be available when he wants to drive to the hardware store or when he wants to go on a trip. Are we available to be with him? He thought he was marrying his girlfriend. So am I willing to give him my attention and my time? When he walks in the door, has my face buried in my phone, checking on Facebook and social media and seeing how many likes I got today? And when is the desire is for intimacy, am I available for him? Or have I got a million excuses why that just won't work tonight? Or I'm too tired. We're going to talk about behind the bedroom door in February. It's coming up, guys. And she has, he has no lack of gain. That means she adds to his wealth. She's his reward. If she's, a, if she's precious and rare, she's his reward. Verse 12, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. It doesn't say all the days of his life. I never realized that till I heard it here. That means when he's gone and he's passed, that she is still going to talk kind of him. When he passes, is not the time to air all our dirty laundry and to tell my kids what a terrible thought that they had and how hard my life was. I'm to speak well of him all the days in my life. I am. Um, these kind of lessons I always like to ask my husband. His name is Rosie. So, so what does it mean to you, Rosie? She does him good and not harm. What does that mean? He didn't take, he usually contemplates. You know, I was like, did you hear me? Like, you know, oh, I'm thinking. No, not that. Today, this question, it was support. What does it mean to have a good wife? It means to have a supportive wife. And he talked about things like, you know, she needs to realize the burden he has as the priest and the provider for his family. Even if they both work before God, especially as a Christian man, he's responsible for the health of this family spiritually, for providing for them, housing them, 
those, that all lays on his shoulders. And then um, he said, not always upping the bar. You know? And I've, I've admitted to y'all, I have done that. You know, Oh, that's great that you did that. But how about if you just a little bit more? <laughs> always adding to his list. Always adding to his honeydew list. Never letting him rest. Always pushing. That's my nature. I'm a, I guess I'm type A, as they call it. I, I just, I don't know how to stop. It's hard for me to stop. And so I don't want him to stop. So I'm always pushing. And um, some of the things he talked about were things I learned here. Well, probably all. But some of the things I learned here, he says, um, make it pleasant to come home. Naomi taught us that. And I, I, kind of, I finally confessed to him about 10 years ago. I said, you know, Naomi taught us that if we hadn't gotten dinner ready, just to put a little garlic and butter on the stove and that aroma, he'd be like, oh, she's thinking about dinner. He'd be all happy. So he's like, really? You've done that? And I was like, yeah, I've done that. But he likes to know he's, that you've thought about him. He's not an afternoon thought. Oh, man, you're here. Haven't thought about dinner. I don't know. Not that that doesn't happen occasionally, ladies. There are hard days. There are busy days. There's sports and after-school activities. But if we wake up in the morning and the first thing that you do before you get on with your day is decide, what are we having for dinner? And if you're a planner, it's great to plan out for the whole week. What are we having for dinner? Be a meal planner. Have enough and have enough food in the, in the pantry that you can pull up something if you have to in a hurry. But think about it first thing in the day. You know, take the meat out, at least the meat spot. You can do something with chicken breast or chicken thighs. You can do something. So be ready for his dinner. Naomi taught us to pick up the house before he gets home. You know, you don't have tripping over toys to get to you, you know? So everybody, dad will be home in 15 minutes. Let's blitz. Everybody picks up their toys, you know, puts things away. Maybe I comb my hair, put on a little lip, you know? Make a little effort for the fact that he's coming home. And when he comes in the door to greet him, you know, don't make him come looking through the house for you. You know he's home. Come up to him. Give him a big hug and kiss. Welcome him home. Do you guys know what that does to a man's soul, his heart and soul, to know that he's welcome in his home? He's not just a paycheck. He's not just a brute. You know what the society tells us about men these days? It's not pretty. It's hard to be a man right now. Appreciate him. Another way we can honor him is to do what he's asked us. I like to try to do errands for my husband. I hate errands. I hate them. But I would do them because I want to help. Look, what does he need done? How can I be his help me? Not constantly passing him stuff to do for me. Not that he's not happy to. Another part of this uh, not harming would be, you know, never desire to hurt him, you know, to get even. Well, he really hurt me, man. I'm going to even with him. That is not God's way. Our, God's way is to forgive. It doesn't mean you can't talk about it and work through it, but not to get even or to compete with him. You know, our husbands, if we're a stay-at-home mom, a lot of us um, we're able to stay home with kids or part-time or whatever, but guys are, you know, full-time work. A lot of times they have like, you know, they get acknowledged, they get um, acclaimed for their work. That doesn't happen so much for a mom, you know, and not to be jealous of that. Uh, I was counseling a, a gal years ago, and she said, well, I can't, I can't tell him good things. He's already got too big a head. I mean, at work, they just tell him it's great. I'm like, yeah, 
Well, if you don't, then he's going to spend more time at work. Where would you want to be? You'd want to be where you're appreciated, right? So I hope she heard that. There's a real tendency for us to kind of get the martyr syndrome. Maybe we feel used. Maybe we feel robbed of our dreams and our desires. Especially, I think, when we're home with little kids. We feel like life is passing us by. But we should do things as to the Lord. You know, honor the Lord, serve the Lord. And we do that with a glad and joyful heart. Even when we're changing a diaper, we can be joyful. Even when we're doing the dishes, that servant attitude, without the begrudging, without the, the martyr thing. But it's real easy to go there. I think that's why sometimes like Christown or Women's Ministries is a good place. You need, we need to be reminded that homemaking, being married, having a husband, having a children, those things are all witness. And in this culture, it's really a witness. I love my king. I love my children. I love my husband. Whoa. It's not a popular thing. So um, one of the ways we, that we can not harm him is we have the four A's. Do you guys remember the four A's? You can adore him. When you dated him, most likely you adored him. You thought the best of him. He was the funniest thing you ever met. He was laid back, you know, and then you get married and then, well, his jokes aren't so funny anymore. I've heard those 10 times and maybe his, maybe he's not laid back. Maybe he's lazy. You know, we turn those things around, those things that we loved about him. We grow to where we don't appreciate them. And we have to remember always that love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. Did you know you won't always feel in love with your husband? You won't feel that emotional love every day. But that doesn't mean you don't love him. That you're not committed to him. That you're not going to keep your vows. That you're not going to work towards. It's our responsibility to love him. You know, I talk about this to my dad. And he was in his late, probably he was in his early 70s. He goes, Jennifer, I've never heard that before. Thank you so much for telling me that. It's like, wow, dad. He's been married several times. He didn't know that. You know, when your feelings are gone, well, it's over. I don't feel that anymore. If you don't feel like oh, anymore, it's because you're not doing the work. Look for the good things in him. Believe the best in him. Get back to that heart of loving him. And when we do those good things, the feelings follow. You know, give him that good 10-second kiss. Hug him. Be with him. Go with him. And, you know, look at what he's doing. Learn to appreciate what he does, his hobbies even. Maybe you don't understand what he does at work. That's okay. You know, there's a lot of engineers out there and stuff. I'm sure it's hard to understand what they do. It's probably not the kind of thing you come home and talk about either. <laughs> but you can enjoy their hobbies, enjoy being together, find things to do together. And then admire him. To me, that's like the physical um, or the outpouring of, of adoring. You know, tell him. I love it when you do that. It is really cool. How did you learn to do that? That is so awesome. You are so, find a good word. And if you're in a bad spot, just find one good word, build on it, right? And you know what really floats his boat if you tell him that in front of somebody else, especially if you tell him in front of your mother. I really love that about you. You are such a good dad. I love it when you play with the kids. Maybe he doesn't do it all the time, but when he does, let him know. Let him know if it's what you like. 
she accepts him, that's unconditional. And that goes along with the respect issue. You know, oh, I don't respect him. He doesn't deserve my respect. I don't see in the Bible where it says that you have to, that it's, condi that it's um, conditional. Ephesians 5.22 says, be sure, see to it that you respect your husband. See to it. And then appreciate him, i.e. thank him. Maybe it's something he does all the time anyway. Thanks for taking out the trash. Thanks for helping. Thanks for taking care. Find reasons to thank him. You know, it kind of dawned on me too. Um, we talk about these and I thought, you know what? I think everybody likes these things, right? I like to be adored. I like to be admired and accepted and appreciated. But sometimes we hold that back, right? If we don't feel we're getting that, then we don't want to give it. But we're called, we do the right thing. And the, it's more likely that we'll get that in return if we're willing to give it. It goes for our children too. You know, especially in the, with kids, it's hard. You know, we're trying to train them. You know, it's a lot of work but to remember to say those good things. People need compliments. They need to hear the good things too. Sometimes you can go in the moment and so, you know, get a lot of little kids trying to get it all done. Take a breath, step back, be less busy, and find ways to, to give these gifts to your husband and your children. That's our way of serving the Lord. And then um, verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. I think the main thing about that couple of verses is she's willing, right? She's willing. Again, not the martyr thing. This is, this is my job. This is my privilege. I have this to do because I have a husband, because I have children, because I have people in my life. She brings food from afar. We don't have to go too far anymore, right? But we can be mindful, especially now. Price of groceries is terrible. So, you know, coupon, barter, buy in bulk and share. We used to do all that in the 80s. That was a big deal. And then everything kind of got really comfy. And then now we're back again. It kind of swings up and down. There's all kinds of resourceful things we can do. Start a garden. Have some chickens. Crystal. <laughs> you can sell. You get a lot of money for eggs these days. <laughs> and, you know, and then also healthy. Don't be driving through McDonald's five, five nights a week. We're responsible for feeding our children healthy food that helps them grow, helps their mind grow, helps them think. Our friend, um, Christina, right, uh, get, did a little YouTube, and Dee Dee's going to show you after a while how cool our YouTube page is looking. But it's on this, we've recorded it, and it's on there, and Christina's talking about shopping from your pantry for a month, and that's the way she saves up you know, she buys things on sale and she stocks up. And then when she has something she wants to save up for, that she goes a month without going to the grocery store. And she saves up that money and puts it towards something. And I was telling my husband about that. He goes, let's do that. He's like, okay, good. Because my pantry's really full. The kids, are, you know, the kids come and you buy all kinds of stuff and then they leave and you got all this stuff. So, you know, quit buying and live off the fat of the land for a little while. All kinds of good things you can do. And encourage each other with what you do. Maybe we'll have somebody come up and give us another tip this semester. 
And then um, the other thing about this portion, it's 15 and 16. It says she considers a field and buys it from her profits and she plants a vineyard. I think what we see here is that she's just a hard worker. You know, she's willing to do the work. She's not making a lot of excuses. She's not lazy. I want to turn over, I put these verses on, I think I did. Proverbs 19. First of all, I want to say, it's okay to rest. If you're like me and you're just like a little rudder butt, it's okay to rest. Sundays, God wants us to rest. It's okay to get a good night's sleep. You know, when I think about this verse, you know, back in when this was written, they didn't have light late at night or they didn't have screen time. They didn't have TV to sit in front of. And the sun came out later, you know, because they didn't know how to lights for early in the morning. So their days were shorter. Um, so there's probably more reason to be up really late. But we have all these things. And I think it's really important that we rest when we can. Turn off those screens and go to bed and get a good night's sleep. But this idea of sluggish and lazy is different. Um, it's just a constant thing of, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. The cupboards are empty, but I don't feel like going to the grocery store. And the sluggish attitude, it's in 19, uh, 14 and 15. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And this prudent woman is, she has insight and she's thinking forward and she ponders and she's working on things. In verse 15, though, laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. So she's sleeping. You know, she doesn't have anything to keep her going. She's just sleeping. So that laziness, you know, is not a good thing. God wants us to, to put our work together. Take care of ourselves. Don't get hangry, you know, feed yourself. Take care of your body. But do all those things so that you can do a good work, a good work. And then Proverbs 31, 17 talks about the fact that she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. So I think of, um, you know, that's literally arms strong and that's from working, doing things. But that strength is also strength of character. It's a mental strength. And those things include things like self-control. It takes the strength of the Holy Spirit to, to stay self-controlled, to, to bring ourselves under God's authority. To be kind, that's a strength. Kind sounds kind of like kind of a eh, word. Kindness is powerful. Kindness leads people to Christ. Kindness means I put myself second and I put you first. And joy, joy is a choice. Not always easy, not, you know, and sometimes it's kind of a sacrifice to be, feels like a sacrifice to us to be joyful when things are really hard. But God tells us to be joyful. Verse on there, it's Psalm 119. I think I put the wrong. 119, 59 to 61. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimony. So this is David talking to God. I turned to him. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. And then 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. So David was drawn to God, even when he didn't feel like it. He said, if God said something, he turned and he did it. 
So he didn't question, he just didn't. Do we find ourselves questioning how important this all is? What difference is it making for us? God says, obey me. If you love me, obey me. Trust and obey. Verse 20 talks about where she opens her hands to the poor and needy. And I think about Dorcas. She's, her story's in Acts 9. And she just, just mentioned a couple times, but she said she was abundant in good works. She gave to the poor. She, worked for the, she made clothing for the elderly women. She's acknowledged for that. And I think God's called us to use our talents to bless others. You know, even when we're home and there's, we got lots of little ones, we can take a meal to someone who's sick. You know, if we have a talent like sewing, we can make things and, and gift them or give them to the, you know, the hope centers or whatever. There's lots of things that we can do. It doesn't put us out of the loop of helping. And it also means we can spend time maybe counseling and encouraging someone. But I would like to give a little couple of caveats for giving. Do not give if your husband doesn't approve. He's responsible to the, to the Lord as the priest of your family. Do not give behind his back. Do not give more than you said you were going to give. Be sure that he's in agreement with that. That's part of being one. That's part of being his support and his help. And if it's something that you should do and he says no, then, you know, that's on him. That's between him and God. We're to obey our own husband. And also, you know, sometimes ladies... It feels good to serve, doesn't it? If you get out and do something, you get little pats on the back and people tell you thank you. Maybe you get more thank yous than at home. I met when uh, my youngest daughter went to college. I was asking her roommate about her life growing up. And she goes, well, my mom was never home. I was like, oh, she worked? She goes, no, she was just always at church. I was like, doing what? She goes, oh, whatever they needed. She said, we never had dinner. My mom never fixed dinner for us. That's not what God's talking about here. So just be careful that you're not taking away from the things that you should be doing. And I think it's amazing to do things together with your children. You know, do have a project together. One year, Carol and I made a bunch of fleece blankets for the soldiers. And also it was a year they were asking for, there's a lot of guys in Iraq and you made these little neck things with the little beads that swell and keep you cool. You know, you soak it and put it on. But it's something we did together, you know. It's really good for the kids. I, a lot of kids will not think to do those kind of things on their own. Some kids are just like amazing that way. Some kids are not. You have to teach children to give and to be, um, you know, to serve. Verse uh, 21 says, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. So when I think about that, I just think about planning ahead, you know, especially if you're Kids, you know, do you have enough clothes for the next season? You know, do they have enough clothes for when it gets hot, the right kind of clothes, when it's cold, if they're growing. You know, it's a big job pulling all their stuff out, see what fits, get the next season on. And also, I think it's really important to be a planner. Use your calendar. You know, don't let time always be sneaking up on you. I was really late on Christmas this year, and somebody said to me, Jennifer, Christmas comes the same day every year. <laughs> I was like, okay, thank you. That's really good advice. <laughs> you know, you know what's going to happen, right? The kids are going to grow. Seasons are going to change. Christmas is coming. Birthdays are coming. Plan. Have your calendar. Be ready. Be organized. That's that's kind of goes along with the lazy thing. And then the verse where it talks about her fine clothing. Um, there's some other meanings there, but I want to talk about the fact that we should be dressing for our husbands, not for each other. 
you know, necessarily, but he should be our first choice. I um, was talking to somebody the other day and she said, oh, my husband buys me all kinds of jewelry. So that's really cool. She goes, it's in my safe. I don't have a wear. I was like, why? She goes, that's too much trouble. I'm like, yeah, your husband is gifting you this jewelry because he thinks it looked beautiful on you. And he wants to see it on you. And don't put it in your safe. And I'm guilty of that sometimes too. Like, I've got a couple pieces. I'm like, when would I ever wear this? But I pull it out at Christmas or whatever. But if they pick out something for you, wear it gladly. Oh, it's not in style. It doesn't fit right. Just put it on. He loves it. He doesn't see it like you do. Just put it on. And the hairstyles, you know, if he doesn't love your hair short, don't wear it short. If he doesn't love it long, don't wear it long. 28, I want to spend a minute on this. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also and praises her. I was talking at the table last week, you know, and I can't remember the exact way the statement went, but it was about the fact that, you know, the way a country or a people feels about children is the way that that people will go. And we do not have a lot of value for children in our society right now. They're kind of like a problem and something to get rid of. And um, they get in your, you know, and the women are supposed to make sure they accomplish what they want and the children are, that's bad. You do know what I'm saying. But it, for a child to raise up and call you blessed, you have to invest in them. That doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect mom. That doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. You're young. How could you be a perfect mom? Your children will rebel. They will hurt you. But you, we invest in them. We do our best. We do what we can and what we're called to do. He tells us to spend time with them as we rise up, as we lie down, as we walk along the way. Spend all the time you can with them. Believe it or not, if you have little ones, it is a short season. It's going to be over before you know. Diligently train them. That's so that you can like them and so that other people can as well. You want people to like your children. You want them to be a functioning member of society. It is your job to train them. I've seen families where they do not believe in discipline. It is not a pretty sight. And the kids terrorize each other. That is not fair. Train your children, but also lavish them with fondness. Lavish them with a motherly love. Don't let there be any doubt in, your mind, in their mind that you love them. Teach them respect of authority. And that means of yourself and then the dad first. Don't let them walk all over you. Teach and teach them to obey their dad. <laughs> teach them to love their dad. Teach them to respect their dad. Teach them that with dad, we're doing this because dad likes this or desires this or wants this. Don't let them get in between you and dad. Honor dad if you want them to honor dad. And pray. Pray for your children. You know, there's there's no guarantee when I, I was young. Um, I had been a wild teenager, believe it or not. And um, started having children. And I knew it was out there, so I wanted to protect them. And I was kind of a protective mom. Um, and I wanted to have no regrets. <laughs> I kind of love things. Um, but I just want to say, you know, that um, I just want to encourage you. You know, you love them. You do your best. You be one with your husband. You do all these things. Um, and they will rise up and call you blessed. There may be some hiccups along the way. There may be some rebellion along the way. 
but God is a perfect father and he has rebellious children. Cain and Abel were brothers in the same family and one killed the other. One honored God, one didn't. You know, we don't, we can't control those hearts. We can do these things and give them as much advantage as we can, but their relationship with God is theirs, not ours. And we can't control that. So don't raise your children in fear, but do your best. And then just to wrap up, um, says many women have done excellent, but you surpassed them all. I, um, I gave you some verses to look up. I'll just give you one. I'll give you the closest one to where I'm at. Um, as I consider, you know, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Or were your kids to say about you when they've moved out or whatever? And Dorcas in Acts, you know, she's, she's passed away and everybody's sad and they're remembering all the wonderful things that she did and they're showing each other the things that she's made for them. Jesus did raise her from the dead, by the way. But, um, you know, what are they going to say about me when I'm gone? Oh, she was such a warrior. Oh, she was so tense. Oh, she was no fun. Oh my gosh, she was exhausting. Um, and Proverbs 12, 9, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a pretentious, a contentious woman. You know, did my family see me as contentious and hard to get along with? Think big picture, ladies. Yes, this minute is hard, but big picture. And then in wrapping up, um, in Proverbs 31, the last of it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. A woman who fears the Lord. What does Proverbs 1 say? Proverbs 1 says, 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we fear the Lord, we have his perspective and his word and his Holy Spirit, we will be praised. We'll have fruit of our hands, the fruit of the spirit. So I would just like to say, shirk off the world. Don't let it eat at you. Don't be looking at Facebook and Instagram and all those things. We're going to talk about those. <laughs> you know, but don't be wasting time thinking about what everybody else has or how everybody else looks or what else is going on. God has given us a big, big calm as women. It's a place of influence. Which way are we going to influence? We need to keep our eyes on the calling, the upward calling of Christ Jesus. Dearest Jesus, we thank you for this day. We just so thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that your ways are so high above our ways. Lord, we can get so down deep and dirty in the details. But Lord, you are in control. You see. We have no reason. You promised us you would be with us today and always. We just pray, Lord, that you would help us to think on these things. Help us to be the women of Proverbs 31 and the Titus 2. In Jesus' name. Amen.